Well, it's Wake Up With KC, and today, you know, I'm always talking about transformation and reinventing yourself, and I have a, my heart goes to those that serve, and I have a very special guest that joins me today, and she shares how she reinvented herself after serving for over 20 years in the service. So please welcome Christy Crandall. Christy, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I am, I, you know what? I, I want to thank you for also serving our country for oh, I appreciate that. 20 years. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I did 20 years. I joined when I was 17. My dad had to sign a contract to let me go in early. Wow. I did not know that. You yeah. can do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm pretty sure that you've experienced something, some things while you were serving our country um, as a female that was like a disadvantage. Yes. Um, I can start off with, you know, it, it's kind of a joke in the military. We say it's a man's army, you know, and we say it, it is a male dominated culture. And, um, when people think of soldiers, they think of, you know, brave young war fighters going out to combat. And the army is populated with many, many, many women as well. And I think sometimes we're not remembered or recognized like the men are. Um, there's times I know where I, it was an advantage to work as a, to be a female and other times where it was a disadvantage. And, you know, it would be things like, um, I would be briefing the, the brigade commander with the S3 and the XO standing on either side of me and my voice wouldn't be heard. He would look to them for guidance or what I'm trying to say. And if they reiterate it, then it's heard. So it was always like a competition um, and it was difficult, but I will say that I love the army. I love the people in it, the people I served with. I had some great mentors. I had great, great, great soldiers that I owe a lot to. And um, if I could do it again, hard question. Um, probably, yeah. I could say, yes, I'd do it again. Um, I would change a lot of things, though. Well, wouldn't you agree that, you know, you know, in life, we're here to experience it in order to learn from it, gain wisdom and understanding right. from those experiences. Yes. Um, you know, like looking back, if I had only known, I was, I was 17. I didn't, I was very naive. Um, I was very young and I didn't know anything other than to follow orders. And looking back now, um, I was blessed. See, I started out enlisted. I was a helicopter mechanic and then I was an x-ray tech and then I went green to gold and became an officer. And um, one of the things I promised myself when I was transitioning to be an officer was that I would make change. I would bring change. I would help other people move their mountains um, where an enlisted person might struggle in an area. It was my goal to step in and, and, use the experiences and the wisdom that I have mm -hmm. to help them change their path. 
And that's probably the most rewarding experience that I, that I had with the military was just being able to impact other lives. And sometimes we don't even recognize, you know, the blessing even during, you know, those experiences until later. Would you right. agree? Oh, yes. Yeah. So just reflecting back on things that people have done to me, for me. Um, I had some great mentors that I think I wouldn't have made it had it not been for them. Yeah, they um, they really helped to to mold me into the person I am today. And like I said, if I could go back and do it again, there's things I would change. There's a lot of things I change. Um, little by little, it's, it's imp improving. I think um, people talk about, you know, even the VA, a lot of people talk poorly about the VA, but I've never had that with my experience. I've had great experiences with the VA. Um, and the military as well. It's it's I've had very tumultuous times, um, very hard times, huge challenges. But at the same time, some of the experiences I have were so rewarding and so amazing in my life. Just messages that other people gave me. So it outweighed the the traumas and the challenges. Yes, it did, and that's why I stayed. Um, like any corporation, you're going to find things that are um, that aren't up to par, you know, that aren't things that are wrong. I mean, a bad guy is going to join the military. Well, a bad guy can work at Walmart. So I don't really attribute a lot of the things that happened to me um, as, you know, things that um, was an army driven issue, but a person driven issue. Same thing with mentorship. Same thing. Um, I think a lot of my experiences were, were great because of great mentorship. And yep, and you know, there I've you know, I, I recently was on um a show and I explained to them because you know, we talk about you know ETs and 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 whatnot. And I was like, well, if you look at the human race, you got those with good intentions and there's those that have bad intentions. And it's the same with them. Yeah. Just a different species. Yeah. But it's all over. You have positive energy and negative energy and people that operate in the positive energy and people that operate in the negative energy. And that's yeah. the duality of what we live in. That's true. Um, but like I said, it's like you can't, the military is going to attract all kinds of a walk, a bunch of walks of life, all different kinds of people from different backgrounds um, to just different regional areas that bring with them the culture that they grew up with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is influential on the military itself. So uh, it's a matter of the military tries to remold everybody so that we all kind of think the same. But mm -hmm. at times there's challenges and they people just bring some negativity to their workforce. Um, others bring great inspiration. So it goes both ways. Well, I have a, a curious, um, curious question because of understanding ancient civilization and history and how wars were created to conquer, divide and take dominion over 
then, you know, in lifetimes and periods, it, it began to be about money, you know, mm -hmm. taking the booty and, you know, taking everything from another place. And, you know, then those people had to convert to their way of living and whatnot. So I see a program. And when you say the military has done that as well, a program? Yes. But throughout history, throughout history, that's been the case. It's been mm -hmm. something that um, even in Mesopotamia times, I mean, it was happening. So um, it's just, I don't think we're programmed to be warriors necessarily. I think some people are more excited about that idea than others. But um, I don't think that, um, I think we all seek peace in in reality and i think peace is kind of what um we need to get to now getting to that i i don't have all the answers i don't know well i feel like we you know in this it in this day and age it's those those emotional energetic traumas from past histories of war that have been also passed down to us and and the programming because in our human nature is not to kill somebody just because they're a different color or they're from somewhere else or you know it's not in our nature like i mean look at world war one world war two you got um you know the pearl harbor you got all these it you know in those time periods and to have to go and somewhere else and granted you know the United States has always been, we're not going to bring it to ours. We're going to go over there. Over there. Yeah. And it, it's traumatizing. And after all that war is done and you come back home, you're so traumatized because you actually had to murder and kill somebody that you really didn't want to. You, They weren't coming after you for self-defense. They were, you were, because you were in war and you, it was like, you had to do this because this is what you signed up for and whatnot. And I think it messes with your psyche. It messes with you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. You're describing PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so many people suffer from that, um, whether it's MST, combat re related, whatnot. Trauma is trauma. And it's not necessarily just something that the military suffers from. It's something that even society mm -hmm. suffers from. Somebody can have a, a horrible experience doing something and have the same effects as PTSD and hence have PTSD itself. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily like military related solely. Well, I mean, it, it, just to have to go somewhere else just to you know kill and and it's and then what you see going through that it, it's i've seen documents on you know vietnam and even pearl harbor and everything and even like the civil war and all that stuff and i'm like why bother going through that why what was the purpose what was the you know to go through that. I mean, thousands and thousands of really innocent lives dying for what? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, 
And I apologize, my dogs are barking. I sent a text message to my son telling him to put him out, but he's not paying attention. So that's okay. Um, that's that's hard. I mean, it, gosh, it's it's almost. I almost want to say it's above my pay grade to even answer that. Um, the military goes to war for a variety of different reasons, be it peacekeeping operations, be it um, war itself, be it, um, you know, helping others or helping others through another vessel. Um, yeah, I, I really can't speak on that, though. Mm. So you served for 20 years. Yes. And then you're like, what were you thinking? Okay, what do I do now? Kind of moment. Oh yeah, that that was hard. Probably the hardest thing for me was just the transition out because I became a field grade officer, and um, I really enjoyed working with my soldiers. And you know, it was it's you climb the the rungs of of a ladder of success, and you get to the top, at least my my top, and. Um, then you decide it's time to get out. And I chose for my children. I chose to get out because I wanted to raise my kids. Daycare was raising my kids. And I wanted to be present in their lives, more present. Um, but getting out was really, really difficult. I went from being a major one day to just Miss Crandall the next day, Mrs. Trubio at the time, you know, and I felt like at first it was like a vacation. It was like, oh, this is great. I got time off. But then after a couple of weeks, it starts to get to you and you start to realize that no one needs you at 6 a.m. That There's no PT to go to, that there's no soldiers that are looking for you for for guidance. Um, you know, it was really, really difficult. So then I got to a point where I had to really face what do I want to do next? What do I want to do that's going to fulfill my soul? And um I always loved film. Film was my thing. You see, my dad was a my dad and my stepmother were photographers, and they were in the art industry, and they they raised me around that. So it was kind of a passion of mine as well. And uh, so I decided to try film, and I met a guy named Anthony Paderewski, who's a headshot photographer. And um, hold on, just a sec, Jack. Can you put the dogs out, please? And so um, he was like, why don't you try background acting? And I was like, what, really? That would be fun. You know, something that was creative and I might be doing something and meeting great people and all that stuff. Um, so I did. I brought my kids and we tried it. We were in I 30 something different films in Savannah, Georgia as background. The do-over with Adam Sandler, the... Live by Night with Ben Affleck, um, just a bunch of different films. Samantha Bee's The Detour, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and But after a while, I got a little bored of being the girl in the corner that was eating the sandwich, you know, in the background. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be behind the camera. I wanted to be part of that creative process. And so um, I tried it, and I met a woman named Simone, and she started to teach me just about everything that I needed to know about producing and directing. Oh, and I was so lucky and blessed to have her. And the very first film that I was an executive producer on 
went forward to a number of different film festivals to include Cannes in France, non-competitive, but it still went. And we won a Telly Award and, um, oh my gosh, it was just great. My kids became SAG eligible. It was just fantastic. And I started to feel like I belonged to something again, because here was a culture, a group of people that came together periodically to work on a project that was greater than themselves. And it was just wonderful to be a part of that, that group. So I started, um, I just started making films, I started making shorts, um, worked on a couple films as a production supervisor. One went to theaters, the divorce party. That was really cool just to see my name in the credits, you know, (laughs) (laughs) me. yeah. So, um, but I think throughout my life, I think my main goal has been to help people, whether it was in the military or after, or my children, um, I see people that that struggle and they they don't know what to do next. They don't know where to go. They are in a tight spot. And I love going in and saying, hey, you know, let me help you. Let me help guide you. Let me help you move your mountains. And it's so rewarding. It's just seeing somebody else move forward. I don't need to move forward as much as somebody else does in my mind. And um it's kind of like being like, you know, the mom that puts the Band-Aid on the cut. You know, you want to clean it out and fix it up and make it better, you know? Right. Um, but, yes, getting out of the military was incredibly challenging. Incredibly. And how long did that last before you found that spark or that you remembered your passion in photography? How long did that take? Um. I started, you'll laugh, you all can look me up on YouTube, it's funny. I started making um, videos when I was still in. So my ex-husband was deployed at the time, and the way I would, we would kind of communicate besides like FaceTime, or, or uh, what was it called, another app that he had, um, I would make these videos, these music videos. So it was like the kids would act out scenes in the videos and, and kind of like lip sync and have fun and play. And then I would send them to him so he could see them in action and just playing and having a good time and sending messages to him. And just making those videos was just so rewarding. You know, it was really cool. Oh, yeah. So I remember um, doing something for my daughter for her 10th birthday. You know how America's got talent, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love it filmography and you know doing you know videos films and whatnot so for her birthday everyone got to do a role or sing dance comedian whatever it was and then at the end I got a red carpet I got these little like Oscar trophies ah, nice. you know so it was, it was like you know this big theme and just recently um there was a post that my daughter put you know, what, what's the most fondest memory that you have of remembering me? And one girl said, your birthday party where we got to. <laughs> <laughs> and she happened to work close by where I live. And I actually saw her. I was like, oh, you remember that? She was, yes, I had the best time of my life. And I created a, a like a DVD so they could take it home. That was like their goodie bag. That's so fun. So it was like, that's my creative side that I love, you know, expressing 
you know, I feel like that's me being able to express my creativity and what I love. And yeah. is that how you feel too when you're doing film projects? Yes. Yes. It's um it's kind of like writing for me. I love to write as well. So it's getting creative ideas out there that I envision and going on film and it's just it's just amazing. Um and it's beautiful. It's like it's like people that paint perhaps and that's their passion and they they come out with this fantastic painting. Mm -hmm. And um it's so it's so amazing just to to see the product that you work so hard on after it's completed. And it's also therapeutic. I feel like there's oh, yeah. feeling that you know um is is happening at, at the same time. Yeah, it is. It is especially for me with writing because it's a matter of getting it all out mm -hmm. and expressing myself and um I have in my phone, I have my notes page that is just full of writings of just, just different journal entries and things I've written in short stories and scripts. And, um, it's almost like my, my pride and joy. It's beautiful. I like a, a you know, one of those journal books where I get a pen and I'm just doing my thing to sit yeah. there and type in notes it's like i have to type like certain important things on my notes so i can remember <laughs> yeah 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 i have a hard time with the writing handwriting because i think too fast i type faster oh so writing it out is fine but it's difficult because while i'm writing it i'm like already five minutes ahead in my in my mind and i'm trying to get oh, wow. it fast enough <laughs> so it's like you're typing and I type faster and it comes out just as I'm thinking it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And it's yeah. a play on words. It's a play on words. It's like the usage of, you know, just vocabulary that you use and finding the right word for the, that means exactly what you're trying to communicate. And it just comes out as beautiful, like poetry. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. I have a good time with it. So um, let me ask you, um, do you have <coughs> other like future projects that you're working on like right now that are in the works? Um, yeah, actually my focus right now has been with, um, um, Southeast haunted hollow. Oh, hollow haunts convention. Um, it's going to be in Savannah, Georgia, um, July 29th through the 31st. It is a horror con. Um, but we're bringing all kinds of celebrities there. Lisa Wilcox from Nightmare on Elm Street, Susan Lanier from The Hills Have Eyes, Timothy or Jeremy Lick from Twilight. Um, just great people coming. And Walking Dead, um, Santiago Cirillo, who'll be there. And it's going to be a great show. And I think a lot of people will turn out to it, especially on Saturday. Right. I'm just like, I used to watch some horror films, but then there was something that I just like, I just went through this phase that I was like, I, I started feeling like being an intuitive and being empathic. I, I started recognizing the energy and whatnot. So I had to like, Oh no, I'm done. Yeah. This like, was, I can't, I can't associate with that. I just, 
I get you. I get you. I had to stop, you know. Most of my I films remember- are, are drama or suspense or love stories or whatnot. We did one. I worked with a girl named Laura Ann Heaton Gray. She lives mm-hmm. in Huntsville, Alabama. Fabulous woman. She's a motivational speaker as well. Um, she's a producer, director, and we worked together. She was the main actress on something called Pretty Big Girl. And what it was about was about the challenges that women face with self-image and self-esteem. It's the cinematography is spot on. It's beautiful. So we did a trailer teaser on that, looking for an investor to help produce the entire thing. But it's something that I'm very proud of and very happy to have worked with her, just having the chance to work with her. So I don't gravitate towards horror so much. It just sort of like fell in my lap. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, had choose, I wouldn't do it, but um, I did just work on a horror film. Um, and it was more comedic than anything. They had some great lines in, in the, in the film. So, um, but yeah, I, I typically tend to like more the drama suspense kind of films, something that carries a message. I like those too, or like, um, especially the documentaries. Yes. yes. I love documentaries and even the history, like the history of documentaries of, you know, um, I had to stop watching the war ones after so much. I just like, nope, I can't, I can't handle that. That energy and, and seeing, because what we see and project into us, it goes into our subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people realize like the, the video games of violence and, you know, all of that. It, and then the, you get the news media of all the negativity and everything. I have to like, I can't be around that too much because it just, it affects my energy. And I'm like the positive, you know, energy that wants to spread out more positive energy. So if I'm going to spread out more positive energy, I got to keep my distance away from the negative energy. I get you. You sound like an empath. I am empath. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> you know, uh, the last uh, horror movie that I saw was Nightmare on Elm Street. The first one. That was it. I was like, okay, I can't. Nope. I'm not going to watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Friday the 13th, the first one. That was it for me. I'm like, uh, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Halloween. I was like, no. <laughs> I, when I was young and those were coming out, you know, my, my dad sheltered me quite a bit. We would go see Star Wars instead. I, I never saw the horror stuff until later in life. Um, but I'm it such was an empath. Wasn't it? Yes. I'm such an empath that it's like if, if somebody, I see somebody on video, even I was at my, at my friend's house and we'll watch something and it's, I know it's special effects. I know it's special effects, but I'm cringing. I'm like, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't look. And I'm like. But I was there and I saw that happen and how they created it. But it looks so real. Mm-hmm. And he, the special effects guy, Sergio, did such a great job that it um, <laughs> I it just it made me cringe, you know. I like Avatar when that came out. Oh, oh that was beautiful. so like it was so prophetic. Yes. And symbolic. Like I was I was like spirit guys were like showing me and i'm like really 
wow, that so makes sense. You know, I like watching those kind of movies to where it's like a, a mystery and you become Nancy Drew and they're giving you little clues. Yeah. You know, see if yeah. you're paying attention. I loved, um, I, I still, all time favorite, all time favorite is Forrest Gump. Oh my gosh. I love that one. I saw it seven my times in the movie. always <laughs> told me, life is like a box of chocolates. I never yeah. know what you're going to get. <laughs> that was filmed in Savannah quite a bit. And, you know, it was really just watching it and seeing all the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I watched it in Savannah. I was just like, this is surreal. I know that, 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 uh, that area. I know that road. I know that bus area that it's passing by. I know exactly where they're at. It's kind of cool, but I love the the soundtrack as well. Brings mm -hmm. you back. Brings you back. And honestly, like one of my all time favorites is Dirty Dancing. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Come on, Patrick Swayze. Mm hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the dancing. You know things like that. Yeah. You know, and the message, like, you you know, looks can be deceiving. Yes. You know, even your character, you know, oh, you look such like a, you know, between the good and the bad guy. But the bad guy was actually a really good guy. And that was Patrick Swayze. Yes. And you judge somebody by their looks. By their looks. And then it's, like, not the case. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of things that, hey, it's trying to tell you a message, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But the dancing was awesome, I gotta say. <laughs> I loved that. I love dancing. That is like my creative expression too. So I'm like, I self-taught myself a lot in some of my dancing growing up. I yeah. Like when MTV came out, I was like, what can I learn today? Ooh, oh, Michael Jackson. Wait a minute. I don't know if I can move like that, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love dancing too. Yeah. It's it's just such a great way of self-expression, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just gets all that negative energy out. And it gets your chakras moving. Yeah. And our chakras carry a note. It really does. So when you're hearing something, your chakras resonate with those notes to help you get your chakras moving. I had my so chakra clean recently. Wow. It was fun. So I have a, a good friend that I went to. Wow. We went to elementary school, middle school, high school together. Um, and she does that. And she told me, I, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but she told me that um, from a past life, many lives ago, um, I put a block up on love. Ooh, I don't receive that. love. <laughs> yes. But I don't receive love. I, someone can tell me they love me and it doesn't mean anything. If I tell them, it means the world. Um, I like to, they talk about like the five languages of love. Um, I like giving, doing things for, for people. Receiving gifts is not like a big deal for me, but giving gifts is like huge. Um, doing things for other people, offering services. Like, you know, I have a friend who's got a dog that needs someone to watch him this weekend or watch her. I'm like, let me do it. Yeah. 
you know, it's just a way of, of helping and, um, and demonstrating love. And people can tell me all day long that they love me and it just doesn't, it doesn't resonate. And that's just because from apparently many lives ago, I, I was once hurt very deeply and uh, I put up a block. And that's where not only did you put up a block, but it's hindering you from doing other things as yeah. well. It holds me back. And the thing is, is like for the law of attraction to work, it's give, receive. You keep that circulation of giving and receiving, giving and receiving. And yes, your how you express your love is by being of service to others. But then when you're being of service to them and they want to give you something, then and you, it's like you don't accept it or you're not in of it, then you're blocking them from getting, you see what I'm yeah. saying? It blocks yeah. them. I've never thought of it that way. Wow. Yeah. So it's something to work with. See, you're, I'm helping open your perception of, mm -hmm. okay, you understand the block, but here's the perception now of what you could do to change that. Yeah. It's just these little actions, these little thoughts to think differently and then take a different action, a new action and just practice it. And it becomes a habit. And then you realize some things shifting and changing, not only within you, but in your outside around you. You're right. The work starts in here and here. I've got a lot of work to do then. <laughs> Don't worry. I got you back, girl. That's what I do. That's what I love doing. That's how, you know, and when I receive a, a, a compliment, I'm like, thank you. And then I give them a compliment about something, you know, and I always say, cause here's another thing to look at it in this way. When, so, when someone says, I love you, they're saying, I love you back at themselves. So when now what you could do is when someone tells you, I love you, look at them and say, I love you too, because you're actually telling yourself you wow. love you. Yeah. I see that. And I think everybody needs to start doing that. Say, I love you because you're actually, we're all connected. And it's like, you're looking in the mirror, seeing a different aspect of yourself. So you tell yourself, I love you. Yeah. Every, every morning in the mirror, when I'm like, get myself together, I'm like, Ooh, I love you. Did I forget to tell you? I love you. I don't do that. I probably should. Yes, we're practicing the confidence that rises up, that love energy frequency will rise up and it starts healing. It starts transforming what needs to be healed inside because you're, it's self-love, it's self-care. Oh my God, I'm coaching now. <laughs> I'm receiving. <laughs> so Christy, I love you. Oh, I love you too. See how that, that was easy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and how does it feel? It feels good. See, yeah. it's little things, just the little things. Little at a time. Little things make a big difference. Yeah. Wow.
You're just like glowing. You're you just lit up just now. Oh wow. Yeah. Amazing. I feel it. Yeah, I'm like getting like my energy is rising up right now. I feel all lit up too. <laughs> it's like electricity going through my body, all these tingles, wonderful feelings. Yeah. And that is what love is, that feel good. And it, it it's not like you're doing anything. It's just that communication between the soul and the human being that you are connecting with that pure essence of love that's already inside you. That's how we spread the love. Wow, that was so profound. I just <laughs> making me cry. Stop. But I speak the truth. Yeah. Sometimes I can't help it. No, a lot of times I can't. I mean, I'm just truth. Yeah. Like I couldn't. I might be able to lie if it had to save my life, but that's the only thing. I screw up on surprising people because I just can't keep it. <laughs> but if I'm coaching, then it's a different story. Yeah. But when it comes to, yeah, I, I just get, like, I'm a little kid, and I'm like, i got this big surprise to give you, and I just can't help myself. I'm like, oh, I just got to give it to you. You look <laughs> Oh my gosh. That sounds like some of my kids. Oh my gosh. My boyfriend laughs at me. He goes, you just can't wait, can you? Because I'm looking at the box. I'm like, yeah, I got it. It's for Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to be going away and mm, you're going to start a new job. And I'm making all the excuses for him to open it, open it now. <laughs> because <laughs> you just can't help yourself can you you really want me so he's torturing me because he was stalling opening that box and yeah. i was like but you could use it for work you're starting a new job <laughs> like yeah you know and hey i'll save me from wrapping it it came in the mail <laughs> now that's bad <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, and then my kids are like, you know, I say, hey, I got you a surprise. I can't wait for you to get your surprise. And they're like, oh, no, here we go. Mom's going to ruin it. <laughs> She's going to tell us. <laughs> they're like, Mom, you can't even, like, <laughs> you suck at surprises. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little more patient, but my kids, they... They can't wait. Like they would give me a Christmas present today if they could. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's like, that's the little inner child in me that just, I can't help myself. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing, you know, it's just, <laughs> but it's like the fun of it too. I just like, love it. Yeah. My son just snuck down here and brought me some granola bars talking about gifts. Two of them. Oh. Apparently, he wants me to eat fruit granola bars. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you've got, um, you know, what is the next thing besides, like, do you have any other things that you want to pursue and experience? 
Yeah. Besides, you know, the film project that you're doing? Um, I think with the things that I've been through and things that I've, I've faced, challenges I've faced in life, I think I have a lot to offer. And I, I would love the opportunity to develop uh, uh, like a program for motivational speaking. Ooh. Specifically to women. I think that would be great. Um, talking about different challenges we as women have. Um, talking about ways to change your direction in life. Find your path. Or find your true authentic self because I think, you know, being a woman, you become a wife, then you become a mother, then you you have to be a career, a CEO and all that. Then you lose a piece of your identity. You lose your power. So as a coach, you know, hey, let's join and do something together. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. I think we'd have a good time. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, we would be <laughs> together. Now. <laughs> hey, it's all about the transformation. Too. Yeah. So we might as well make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one moment you're crying, yelling, cursing, then the next thing you know, you're laughing. <laughs> All those emotions coming out. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I really think that would be something that I that I could serve other people to do. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because I want to see other people achieve their their dreams. I, I have friends that have never left the county that I grew up in. They're still wow. there, they're still in the same little city and they're they're happy. But I'm like, how are you experiencing a full what? life? I it's just the way they are. Wow. And um, I've been a lot of places and I've been exposed to a lot of different cultures. And like when I was in Europe, for example, every single country had a different culture. And I think I went to every country. But um, I think you have to be open to them, to other people and to what other people, how they present themselves and how they... Um, with how they think, because mm -hmm. you can't always be right on everything, but people need help. And I, I really think that I would be, um, could be like a servant to help people. Well, you mentioned about traveling. Was that because you were, uh, in, in the military? That's, oh, sure. That was an, an opportunity. So that was a, in a way an advantage because you got to travel. If you didn't, you know, join the services, you probably would have never saw or experienced those places. Right, right. So the difference is, is like it's one thing to go as a tourist to the tourist city. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to live in the community in Germany next to a bunch of Germans and on the other side some Turkish people and everybody's like trying to get along and the Protestants and the Catholics and oh my goodness. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different because when you live there, you actually live the culture. Wow. I have one girl. She, her name is um, Liz, Lisa. She lives in Germany. And I knew her when she was 11 years old. She was my next door neighbor. And oh, wow. I, she would come over because we were like the iconic Americans and really cool. Just because we were American. But she would wow. come over and play with my children 
And um, we stayed in touch after I left. We stayed in touch. And she's actually coming out to visit, I think, for the third time um, this September. Awesome. 20. Oh, I'm going to lie. She's 25. Somewhere wow. around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, just having her and hosting her and, and showing her. I'm her. Well, she she calls me her American mom. So on like Mother's Day, she was like saying Happy Mother's Day. Aww. It, was really it was really sweet. But she's a great girl. Yeah, because you have sons. I have three sons and one girl. Okay. So I have a 23 year old in Alabama. I've got, and then the other two sons are here with me. Um, one is 19. The other one's 13. And then I have a girl that's 16. Wow. She oh, your plate's full. <laughs> she keeps me busy. Yeah. I bet. All of them keep you busy. The boys are easier than the girl. The girl is more loving. Aww. But my youngest is, um, I don't know. It's like all of them are different. So different in, in their own way, you know? <laughs> And they but they all have a little piece of you, too. I've learned that from being mom. Like, I see some personalities in all, you know, like, I have three girls. I see a little bit of peace, even the, the gifts, you know, that they have, you know, with art and things like that. I see that in them. And, and then they show me, and I'm like, wow, you know, I had that in me, and I guess I pass it on to you, and now you're being creative, and you're artistic, and what you perceive the world, and what you perceive in, in your masterpieces and whatnot. So it it's amazing to me of, you know, realizing and seeing that, and, and it's a beauty. Yeah. What's kind of rewarding, too, is to see some of the things that I've told my children and try to mentor and guide them on, to see it come to fruition. You I see them actually doing and having that integrity and having those moral values um, that I had spoken of prior, you know, and I'm like, okay, that it, it's, you feel like you're really doing well. Um, we've had our challenges. Sure. I mm -hmm. mean, the family does, but I think all in all, I'll, my, my kids are great people. They're just salt of the earth. Great people. Yeah, so are mine, even though they, 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 they're struggling in certain areas. And I'm like, you know what? Life is just to experience, you know, don't harbor on, you know, or take things personal, you know, just find, you know, find what works for you and keep going. And then it's going to change and then something else is going to come up and, you know, spark your interest and, you know, just experience it and learn from it. Yeah. You know, don't get overwhelmed with what's going on in the out world. You know, keep your peace and just love you yourself and then take every day as an opportunity to be the best version of you and see how things just. Yes. How like it, it just like miracles happen. Secrets <laughs> happen and opportunities come your way and. You know, and, yes. it's, and it's hard when they're that young because they don't grasp it yet. But I keep telling them, I, I'm like, Mom, we've heard that before. I'm like, yes, I'm reminding you. Only like 20% of the parental droning actually gets through. You know that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> and I tell them, like, Mom, we've already heard this so many times. I'm like, yep, I keep reminding you. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you start talking this way, I have to remind you. It's my sign to remind you. When you catch up to the full understanding of that, I'll know. And then you won't have to hear me say it again. <laughs> that's how I go. Yeah. And sometimes that's where I get. And I'm like, I see something that they do. Um, and I'm just like so grateful for them. Gosh. Um, probably the best things that ever happened in my life. They are. It's, you know, even through the struggles, even through everything that I, you know, they've witnessed and, you know, they were traumatized too. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I can't take anything back. I can't go back in time. But what I try to educate them is, you know, this is not what should be in a relationship. This is not healthy. It's toxic. So take what you've witnessed and felt and heard and whatnot as this is not the kind of relationship that you want when you grow up and you start having a relationship. Yeah. You know, so I try to do those things. I need and to work on that better. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it, when I go through something, I go to them and say, look, this, this wasn't good, you know, and I apologize to them. I say, I'm sorry. I like, I wish you didn't have to, you know, cause I know you experienced it too. And I think that it, they already took that, that, that kind of trauma from hearing and witnessing and feeling that energy. And now it's, a, it's like coming back, it's manifesting in their life now and they're struggling. And I'm like, okay, we're going to just have to peel the onion. Yeah. You know, and you'll be fine. You'll get it. <clears throat> but it's hard when you see them suffer. Oh my goodness. Yes. Cause you really don't want to, but then again, being intuitive and, and then an empath, it's okay. And I go to my guides and I'm like, okay, um, <clears throat> do I help them? Or is there something that I need to step back and let that happen? Because it's an experience for them that they have to learn. Yeah. And that is truly being an intuitive. Because before I would go off and tell them, like, please don't do this because that, and they would look at me like, really, mom? You know? And I'm like, and then they come back to me. You were right. You were right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, and, and then they were like, was that your intuition or did your spirit guides tell you that? And I'm like, something mm -hmm. I try. <laughs> but now it's like, mm, because I don't want to continue to enable them by trying to shield them and, you know, shelter them and protect them from getting hurt. And I think that's a reason why some of the kids are because the parents didn't realize what they were doing. They were doing more harm than good. Yes. Yes. My, my kids have had their, their share of challenges with things like bullying and whatnot. Um, we all have, let's get real. It, yes. Yes. Oh gosh. It, at any age it can happen. Um, I think just people learn that behavior from their parents or from yeah. their peers and they think it's okay. And it's not, it's not okay. That's how the, the limited beliefs, the mental programming and the emotional energetic traumas keep full circle passing down. Yeah. 
from generation to generation. I, I, you know, there was a good book about the seven sins of the father or, you know, the curses and whatnot. That's what they're talking about in that book. If you think about it, because what you, you know, you learn the patterns, you learn the cycles, the behaviors that's been passed down, you know, the abuse, you know, um, the incest, the sexual abuse, all of that. Yeah. It's just that energy in motion that passes down to another form and then it comes out and manifests again. And then it keeps, it's, it's a cycle. It is a cycle. So you wake up and realize, oh, I don't want that. Like I choose not to. You got to choose. Right. Yeah. Um, there's things, there's ways that, you know, people raise their children and there's ways that I made a conscientious decision that I would, things I would do and would not do. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's worked because um, my kids are just, they, they came out to be great people. And I don't want to attribute it all just to myself. It's they did it themselves, mm -hmm. but um, you have to find a way to break that cycle. Yeah. Just to have a healthy relationship. And I, you know, got out of religion, you know, learning what I learned now and how it actually, you know, it, it just did not sit well with me, no matter how hard, hard I tried, but I was doing it because that's what I was taught to, you know, believe and whatnot. And, yeah. and all along, I just like, something didn't feel right. And then I started having a spiritual awakenings and I'm going to them like, Hey, I'm, Oh yeah. All this other stuff. And like, and I still, something doesn't feel right. <laughs> like what, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how has your spiritual journey been? Oh, wow. Everything that you've been through. So we wrap this up. Story. Let me tell you story um let me see so my grandfather no my great great grandfather was um was mormon lds he helped to organize the church with with jacob smith joseph oh smith. my gosh right joseph smith i should know this um so throughout the generations they were my that side of the family was lds and so my grandfather married my grandmother and she was catholic that's not a match made in heaven but they loved each other so um they went on and one of the agreements she made with a promise she made to her mother was that she would never convert to the LDS faith and that she would raise the children as Catholic, but they exposed them to the LDS faith. And, you know, so they kind of got a mix. My father did, um, coming out of that, um, my father married my mother who didn't really have a religion. Um, then he married a, another, he, they got divorced. They separated when I was four and then he married my, my sweet stepmother. And I think she was Greek Orthodox at the time. Um, so I was being raised. Now you got to understand is being raised, pulled in different directions. I mean, I had my aunts that were like, well, come over here and let me tell you and give you a cross and tell you about the Catholic religion. And then I had my grandmother taking me over to the um, LDS storehouse to work over there. So I, I would get like the bishop talking to me and I got really, really confused. Tell me about it. Holy it's crap. So confused. And I was young. I was a child. Um, I went to Christian Bible camp, found Jesus. 
Um, I remember that day. It was so, it's such a beautiful day. And um, then I went into the army and in the army, I had a really interesting story where I did a casualty affairs um, job and I worked with a family and all these coincidences were happening. All these things were happening that shouldn't have been, but were um, things like I asked for a certain general and to present the flag to the family. And um, they said, well, if you can get them to come from Hawaii to Texas to do this, then you can have them. I called over there and the guy that answered the phone was somebody I knew in Germany years before I changed his baby's diaper. I was the first one to change a diaper in the hospital, had the baby shower, all this stuff. And I'm like, Dietrich. And he's like, yeah, who's this? I'm like, it's Christy. And, um, you know, he would, he was a vessel that helped me to convince that general to come out to Texas. So it's these strange coincidences that were happening all the way through the entire thing. Um, and uh, do you know what the Patriot guard is? I do believe so because I think they did that to my dad. Yeah, it's a motorcycle group that leads the procession off to the place of internment. So that day it rained. And, um, you know, this this motorcycle group went there. They parked their bikes kind of far away. And I had planned this this um, funeral so well. I mean, everything was like everything was on point. Everybody was right where they had to be. Everything was working beautifully. It stopped raining. So I was very grateful for that. <clears throat> and um the bishop said his last words, said his final words, handed over, the general handed over the flag. And as the bishop finished speaking, there was like a moment of silence. And then this country song started to play. Loud. It was loud. I'm like, what, what the heck? And I'm freaking out because I'm like, my picture perfect funeral is just like falling apart. And I look around and I see this Patriot Guard guy sprinting towards his bike because it had shorted in the rain and then it had dried out enough for it to cut back on the radio. And he was playing this country song. I was mortified. Oh my gosh. So I, um, went up to the, to the wife of the deceased soldier, the widow. And I was like, um, ma'am, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she's like, for what? and I said, for, for the song, it was great. And everything was great. And then the song played that, that country song. And she just looked at me so strangely she smiled and she said, you know, I thought you planned that. And I said, no, ma'am. And she said, well, that's strange because that was Ray's favorite song. <gasps> Whoa, I got goosebumps. Whoa. There is something there. Guys, there is <laughs> something there. Whether you believe in, in you know, Episcopalian, Lutheran, LDS, um, Baptist, there is something if you believe in, in, in aliens planted us here, there is something there's it's, it's a spiritual force and none of this stuff would have ever happened. It's all around us. And he was there in his soul form, giving a message to her playing their love song. Yep. I mean, it gave me chills every time I tell that story. <laughs> I know, but I like that synchronicities in the soul because you know, when we're children, we, we see in the spirit realm. But then, you know, around seven, that's when the veil sort of drops because then we're, when we start asking those questions, then we're told something different. Then we doubt what we see, what we feel, what we hear. Yeah. So it, it goes in dormant until 
something happens and it wakes you back up and then you go through the whole transformation kind of awakening thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. The, of the matter is there are no coincidences. There aren't any, they're all supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. Same here. And my landlord's dogs are going at it now. So, but it is, I know you have an interview to go to. I am so thankful and it's been truly a pleasure and it is an honor to meet you and I salute you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so great. Yes. Thank you. Good luck in your interview. Thanks. I need it. <laughs> well, there you go. You never know who I'm going to have on my show. And my intention is that it helps you to learn how to reinvent yourself and do something that excites you and gives you passion. So look forward to the next episode right here on Wake Up With KC. Mm -hmm.